Speaking of a lot, I um, have purchased a new couch in the past week and Bentley decided to piss all over it the night before last. Just claim his territory. And, and it was like a big adult that's been drinking for many hours <laughs> piss size. Like it is a full cushion covered and then the next half on one side and part of the one underneath as well as the, the loose sort of throw pillows covered in piss. Like, wow. It's Can huge. you take the covers off and wash them or is it just you scrubbing that? Um, I got to go pick up my washing machine from my mum's house. So I did. I went and bought some $40 pet wee deodorizer slash cleaner. So I spent last night like going through this cycle of warm water dabbing the cushions and then spraying this spray, letting it set in and then dabbing that with paper towel, rinse and repeat. It's got rid of the smell. There's still a little bit of the wee mark there. So I've been doing the dance with uh, a, a lounge cleaner person now to come in and, and do the full treatment on the lounge because, yeah, I can't get these marks yeah. out. That sucks. Yeah, I thought it was cats marking their territory, not dogs. Yeah, it's because it's Bentley's still got his still got his knackers. So uh, I, I told him after I, this wee stain happened, I called the vet straight away and I booked him in for Tuesday <laughs> to get the snip. So uh, that'll teach this is him. the last time. Yeah, you piss on my stuff, I take you nuts. That's, uh, that's how I get through life. So let that be a warning to everybody that's yeah. listening. Oh man, that's great. Yeah, so that was my uh, Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, <laughs> extremely frustrating because I sort of was then trying to sit there and watch television and I could just smell it. So I had to yeah, do the rundown to Pet Barn. $45 to buy this spray though, like oh. to, to get rid of wee. Like it's got to be some magical fairy dust crap in there and it doesn't even work as good as I hoped it would. So It's probably just vinegar and water. Like that's probably. what I learned yeah. to do. Yeah. And then you put, if, it's, if the smell's still there, you put a bit of baking soda over it to soak it up and vacuum <clears throat> probably, it up the next probably day. should have talked to you guys before rushing out and spending 45 bucks on wee spray could have just made it <laughs> home with some home remedy style but that's how it is that's how it is but now they're mm. sitting outside the door crying because they're wussy dogs you're doing a lot more crying yeah. in a week or so snip, hell snip. yeah yeah <laughs> i can only imagine how that'd feel well getting snipped yeah, and then like dealing with the recovery pain. Well, you'd be you'd have balls, fall asleep, wake up, no balls. Yeah, right? and just yeah. pain where the balls were. And light itching because it stitches. Mm. Yeah, I know a dude from the gaming community that got circumcised the other day, and he's like mid twenties. That was weird. What? 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 Yeah. And what? Why? And how did you find out about yeah, it? Yeah, where did um, this come? <laughs> he's a uh, he's a mod for. Um, a streamer that we know and uh okay. yeah he had to had to sort of take some time off from modding and whatever else because he had to go to the, the doctors and we picked and probed and found out yeah he's getting the old uh foreskin cut off is it uh like a conversion jewish thing or nah, is it just the health thing. health thing right yeah i don't know i don't want to point fingers but yeah we we know what can happen in there so yeah happy for him to get that off if it's going to help him in the long term as far as health Ali maybe he's just a dirty man that. maybe he just doesn't clean his bits i don't know but it's weird this is the second podcast i've been on this morning that's talked about foreskins so uh yeah you're welcome <laughs> listeners <laughs> that's it that is it but i think that's a great jumping off point to uh say hello and welcome to everybody out there that is listening to this episode of the epic cast 
And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about wrestling nostalgia. Uh, and I've got uh, three co-pilots here in the squared circle with me today. I've got Miss Ellie Hart. You can obviously find her at Miss Ellie Hart. I've got Matt Tilby. You can find at It's Tilby. And then we've got Australia's John O'Peck, who is available at Jono himself and also probably on some kind of special global directory as far as Australia's sweethearts because mm. he's blowing up the internet these days. But yeah, we're here talking wrestling nostalgia and we wanted to maybe go back to our teenage or our youth and uh, talk about where we fell in love with professional wrestling, uh, probably focusing primarily in the, the, the year periods of the 90s and maybe early 2000s. So it's sort of the Attitude Era and then into the, I think they called it the Ruthless Aggression Era is what followed yeah. the Attitude Era. So we're sort of looking at those two areas in a vacuum. And I thought maybe we could start by, by talking about our, our wrestling backgrounds and when we got into it and maybe those early memories. Miss Hart, did you want to lead us off there? Yeah, sure. I, I feel like maybe with uh, most people in the group, I probably got into it a little bit later, but unknowingly became familiar with it earlier. So um, growing up, I used to watch the movie or the movie series of Rocky with my dad. And there was, I think it's in either Rocky 2, I think it might be Rocky 2 or Rocky 3. Rocky 3. Where an infamous character called Thunderlips appears, Mm -hmm. um, played by uh, Hulk Hogan. And I thought he was great. I loved this character, even though, like, you know, the name was weird and he was a bit of an asshole. But then I understood that that's wrestling. Like, that's, you know, how you play it out. And Mm. then much later on, then I got into wrestling because I was on some family road trip and we had to stay in like a really shitty motel but they had foxtel so they had cable and like um yeah i i stayed up watching a bunch of wrestling and it was great i thought it was the greatest thing i thought everyone on there was cool and the girls looked badass and i became addicted i think we're probably going to have similar similar stories where there was that big moment where one of these larger than life characters playing the heel or the face role just sort of you know, just connected with us and we're like, man, I'm in on this. This is, you know, it, it is the the teenager, young adult soap opera, really. Oh, yeah. You know, it is the the days of our lives for the for the youth and the the uh, you know the horny teens and everyone else. Like, it's just great <laughs> cheesy writing, and um, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all about it. Maddie, what about you, man? When did you uh, first dive into the the wrestling world? I mean, it, look, it was probably. I mean, I was pretty young, if, if I can remember correctly. I was probably around sort of between the ages of like seven and 10. I know that when we were younger, our um, our family actually had Foxtel. I know. Ooh. Crazy. Lucky. Big baller over here. We, we yeah, my, my, my parents worked hard. Thank you very much. Um, and it I don't was know if I should take offense to that because I didn't have Foxtel. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, my parents just freeloaded. <laughs> Yeah, if your we'll parents continue. if your parents didn't give you Foxtel, they weren't working yeah. hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, my, uh, my my parents they had they had Foxtel for us, um, and it was weird because like at the in the early stages, Fox Sports was actually showing Monday Night Raw, which I thought was very bizarre because obviously everyone sees that as you know not, not a real sport and what <laughs> not a real sport and whatnot, but. Yeah, like I, I, I think the first match I saw was like Eddie Guerrero in a ladder match or something on Monday Night Raw, and I was like, "What is this? This is insane! Like, is this a sport? This is incredible! Like these 
larger than life athletes, you know, doing all these crazy moves. And then there was also the, you know, the, the drama aspect to it, like we always say, but yeah, like that was, that was the, the sort of first experience I had with it. They moved SmackDown to, to Fox 8, which was more like the entertainment channel at the time. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. Um, and, and sort of watched that for a couple of years and then high school came around and sort of fell off and um, didn't really get back into it for a couple of years until uh, I guess the end of the Ruthless Aggression era and, and CM Punk dropping the pipe bomb promo. Um jump back on for a little bit and then obviously now it's it's AEW but we'll talk about that you know at a different time but yeah like it, it was definitely just sort of I think like most of us here will, will probably attest to out of just you know random chance that we all sort of fell in love with it and, and sort of came across WWF as it was at the time of course but yeah like it, it was definitely something that I just couldn't turn my eyes away from. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jono? Did you have similar experiences? Were you hooked from the jump or did it take a little bit of time to to capture your attention? It was a bit different for me. I was a bit older and it was one of those things that was kind of in the periphery, but you didn't have access to it unless you did have Foxtel. Unless you had uh, hardworking parents. Yeah, unless you had hardworking (laughs) parents. Um, And I I vaguely recall it being on free-to-air TV uh, like late on at night occasionally and kind of getting glimpses here and there of something it, it could have even just been like a, a separate program doing like a best of like best moments of wrestling for the year or something like that i really have no idea what it would have been but the first time i kind of started to get to know the characters and stuff was actually through the good old playstation one wwf smackdown i had a demo disc that had that on it and you could play as undertaker stone cold the rock and mankind you know the 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 big four i guess of of that particular era oh yeah and i love that demo so much that game was so much fun and played a ton of multiplayer on that and that kind of inspired me to buy the game and that was where i started to learn a bit more about the different characters and that kind of thing but not really knowing who they were or what their personalities were because i didn't have hard-working parents uh and then it was (laughs) probably about it either later that year or the next year that we went on a holiday my my parents started working really hard and we got to go on a holiday to thailand and uh the place we were staying had like a i guess it was like a rec room and it did have uh some kind of uh foxtel or whatever the equivalent is over there just cable tv and king of the ring was on 2001 which was the kurt angle shane mcmahon street fight uh, oh, that's and that's one. still <laughs> one of my favorite matches, which we'll get to a bit later. And that was really where me and my brother got like really hooked on the actual like product of WWF. And sometime later, we did end up getting Foxtel, probably in 2002, I think. And that was when the invasion angle was happening Ooh, with ECW, yeah. WCW, which from what I gather is not considered attitude era at all it's more that ruthless aggression period and i i know that from a lot of like hardcore fans it was kind of like a low point or like it was the decline because it was coming out of attitude but i was obsessed with it i loved it it got me super hooked and i was watching every week and chucking tantrums if for some reason i couldn't be in front of the tv on like monday or tuesday night or saturday first for smackdown and uh yeah i just 
absolutely gobbled everything up I, I went into like the history i i got like the dvds that showed you like you know all the classic matches from the 90s and read a bunch of books like really this one here i pulled up is, is the mankind you can't see it because of my virtual background but uh the, the mankind mick foley uh autobiography which i really think it's hard to imagine a better way to understand the 80s and 90s eras of wrestling and from everything from like backyard wrestling and barn shed wrestling through to japan and wcw wwf like the career of mick foley is is really just quite an amazing story in and of itself but the understanding that i think that book gives you of how the industry works is fantastic and that was really my peek behind the door into how it all works and how um, that all goes but yeah from there um, I don't know if we're doing like side tangents, but I got really into an e-fed, which is like a role-playing thing. I, yeah, I think I've talked to you a little bit about <laughs> I was going to bring this up if you didn't, because I love this story. Yeah. So for people who don't know, uh, the SmackDown games had like these create a character uh, systems where you could, you know, put in, obviously we know what create a character is now, but back then it was a pretty new thing and there was message boards where you could go in and find out like okay layer 27 and just basically instructions to make characters that weren't in the game so you could make like bret hart in a wwf game for example and from going onto those message boards there was like a partner website which was an efed it was called fiw full intensity wrestling and it's basically an online federation of people who are role-playing and I didn't know what D&D was at the time, but it is there is actually quite a bit of crossover because you'd create a character, you'd join one of the two shows on the, in the brand and you would role play each week like a promo. So it would be uh, either like a backstage vignette or you're out in the ring calling out someone and there's people who acted as like the bookers and they would plan shows every week and there's writers who would write the show every week. So there was a full... <laughs> written uh events so awesome and it was like you know you have your entrance that you've written out yourself and then the writers with the move set from the characters that you created will put a match together and whoever did the best promo would win that week wow. so that was that was uh fiw and that was a big part of like getting me into creative writing and stuff which has obviously become a big part of my life as an adult i was gonna say it's like this is gonna be the inspiration for actually writing a <laughs> f-i-w <book>. <laughs> yeah but it was it was awesome me and my brother were both in the same league and i created a character called fozzy mcqueen who was basically an aussie pub brawler who had caught some wrestling on tv and his his whole gimmick was that he thought it was all pansies and idiots and like why are they doing these weird moves where they're like wrapping their legs around like just punch him in the face just step on his nuts you know like it's a brawler <laughs> yeah he was like i've been in a pub fight every other weekend and i've never seen someone do a drop kick why would you do that so he was he was a great heel and just being the fish out of water made for a lot of comedy because most of the people in the league were like americans or british people and they just thought like everything about him was hilarious calling people bogans and like not understanding half of what I was saying. Um, so I ended up actually becoming, this is going to be a weird flex, but the first dual crown champion <laughs> of that federation, yeah. which united, it was like the undisputed champion, basically. I had like the 
the belt from one show and then I won the belt from the other show and defended wow. that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> what was your finishing move? Was it just like you punched him in the nuts or something because you're a bit of a brawler? Was it really yeah. simple like no, that? No, the finishing, finishing move was called the stubby holder. <laughs> and it was basically where, similar to like the mandible claw that Mick Foley did where he shoved his hands inside their mouth, except he would just like grab their like neck and just like rip at it, like just pull it until like they choked out. Uh, and then he had a move called the hip and shoulder from hell, which was just like a shirt front in AFL. Uh, what else? Blood on oh, the one wrestling move that he learnt was called blood on the Southern Cross, and it was some kind of like awesome pile driver, like an STF pile driver or something. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. Like the way that I wrote him was that if it was anything technical at all, like a suplex or something, then he just he wasn't going to have any of it. It was all like rough and kicking them while they're down and punching them in the face stepping on their neck and that kind of thing God. Is, is the John a- Peck with a violent side yeah especially going embracing the full heel persona like that's that's a surprise because yeah. everyone knows that Australia's John O'Peck is one of the most wholesome individuals mm. on the planet so seeing him fully embrace the the Aussie bogan heel persona is fantastic it was good fun yeah that's is incredible. FIW still kicking around it is actually and recently someone i don't know if it was yeah i tweeted about it or something and someone that runs the twitter account saw it and i was like oh i remember remember you you were hilarious you were awesome and fozzy was so great and blah 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 blah. and fozzy in their hall of fame or yeah (laughs) actually if you you can find it and there is like a hall of fame and fozzy mcqueen if you type fozzy mcqueen um it might come up with a couple chris jericho um articles because that's like the the background was like Fozzie was Chris Jericho's band and his the front man's character was Mongoose McQueen. So I just combined those two. So oh, it might come up with him, but it should come up with um, a, a, maybe a dead link to FIW and the, the dual crown championship match or something. But uh, it's there and there's a Hall of Fame, which I found out I was in. I was pretty chuffed Aww. about that. <laughs> that's awesome. It's bloody that's awesome. That's, that's one of the best wrestling stories I've heard. <laughs> We should get one started. Eight bit EFED. It's just a lot of work. Yeah, man. that's like, that's so hard. Like work. It's a Especially lot. if you're one of the bookers, having to script and write all that and work out how it's all going to play. That's a lot of lot of hours. And mm. well, the the thing about it was, it was actually my first sense of an online community as well, because it was all these people who love wrestling, and there was like out of character um, boards where you could just talk about anything, like music and whatever. And I got introduced to so many cool you know movies and shows and and music and things through these people who are a bit older than me at the time i was like 14 15 16 years old and um yeah just met a bunch of people online for the first time that you know it was back when like it was kind of scary to talk to people but we had msn messenger and we're always like talking to each other and learning how to use like photoshop off each other and that kind of thing it was just a cool little community of people who were into the same thing and some of the people I've, I've actually ended up like meeting in real life which was also really weird at the time none of them had any vans by chance did they <laughs> nah no luckily and then like one of them sent me like a, a vhs tape of like Ooh. all these old wrestling oh. matches like <laughs> like japanese wrestling and all this kind of stuff that i had no idea about or no access to so yeah from that aspect it, it really was kind of a precursor to the online communities i'm in now where you know there's that shared love of games and and that kind of thing but yeah definitely grew out of wrestling a a couple years after that i remember like 
getting a, a, I think it was Royal Rumble 2004 and just paying for it and watching it and being like, I think I'm done with this. Like uh, we probably all have had a moment where we tapped out, mm-hmm. so to speak on wrestling and realized that it wasn't doing what we wanted to, or we had other interests that, you know, it's a pretty time consuming thing to follow, mm-hmm. isn't it? It really is. And um, I guess my, my journey followed similar paths to yourselves, got into it really young. Uh, I remember first watching early WWF. It was like on like Wide World of Sports on like a random Saturday like afternoon yeah. or something like that and seeing when, when Sting was still in the WWF in, he, in his first early run and he had the, you know, the bright paint and the bleached hair and seeing dudes like, like Sting and, and Hulk Hogan and a lot of those guys from the early 90s and, and like a lot of the weird characters like the, the Doink the Clowns and stuff like that when they went <laughs> yes. full, you know, everyone has to have a ridiculous backstory and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I fell into it in the early 90s when I would have been six or seven, just loved the, the machismo and the over-the-top just insanity of it all and really just followed it from then really hard out for, for probably... 10 plus years on the back of that and and sort of um sadly my parents weren't hard workers so i didn't get the foxtel experience either but when when we moved house uh to another area um when i was a kid one of my best mates lived across the road from us and they had ozstar which was foxtel for the country people yes yeah and um so i'd be i'd sort of get them to to record on the old vhs of a nighttime uh, like I'd get them to record Raw for me and SmackDown and and then we'd watch it together after school and then with the pay-per-views when they were on, I'd get them to buy it, like we'd buy them and get them recorded or sometimes I'd just play hooky from school and go watch it at my mate's house. Often when he, like he'd still sometimes go to school so he'd just give me a key to his house and I'd sit in his house and watch like WWF pay-per-views when I was a kid and um, just really, that was really stressful. got into it. That was stressful, like trying to tape a pay per view that ends up going for like three or four hours. Oh yeah, so you have, cycle the I tape like, over. Tape. <laughs> yeah, like WrestleMania yeah. eighteen, like um, it was Austin versus like Scott Hall, and he did like a stunner, and then like I noticed my VHS re- had stopped recording, oh, so I had to like no. quickly shove another thing in the VCR and hit record. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, the the WrestleManias were always obviously the the three plus hour marathon, so yeah, you yeah. need to have a secondary tape ready to roll. But yeah, I had VHSs out the wazoo of Raws and Smackdowns and, and just about every pay-per-view for the better part of 10 years. I reckon I had you know, a couple of hundred tapes in the house oh, yeah. of, of pay-per-views and stuff. And, and I got my uncle into it as well. He's, he's seven years older than me. So when I first started watching, he was in early teenage years and I was sort of, yeah, like you know, seven, eight or whatever else. And uh, so we'd watch it together. And then we formed the CWF, which was the Kuma Wrestling Federation which was like a backyard wrestling uh, jaunt that we had. And uh, it was like myself, my uncle, some of my school friends, and then like just some random kids from the neighborhood. And we get together, not, not as probably intricate as you guys did with FIW, but we'd, we'd script out the show, we'd have intros, we'd do promos. We made a backyard wrestling ring out of like mattresses and pillows and actually for one of my woodwork um, majors in like year 10 made like the framework for a wrestling ring for the backyard so made made that and we had a ring in the backyard but it was mostly really rough and tumble stuff like we'd be getting thrown through, like we went through the fence so many times like the neighbors hated us because we broke the fence so many times we were oh like it was just that real like just crazy teenage fearlessness like jumping off the roofs all the time like 
you know, we'd, we'd fuck ourselves up pretty heavily with injuries and like, you know, jumping off the cars and pulling, pulling a lot of tricks and, and like proper moves. Like we, we like worked out how to do like suplexes and chokeslam. Everything as safe as possible within reason. You know, people were doing, <laughs> uh, like there was one kid that could do like the 450 splash, which was insane to see from like this, this oh, little shit. kid. I was my finisher was the the frog splash like my my wrestling persona I was Brent Van Dam so I was Aww. sort of playing off Rob Van Dam, um, the height of originality. Yeah, so so Brent Van Dam w- was my character. I've, I've mentioned it on other podcasts. My uncle was Captain Holiday, and so he's like he'd come out to like this luau music and he'd have like the Hawaiian shirt and the lay on. He'd sort of come out doing little little lay dances and then you know there'd be sneak attacks. Like I remember I had a real acoustic guitar. And as anyone that's watched a wrestling match knows, there's a fair chance that there's a guitar in shot. It's going to get broken on someone's head. The Jeff Jarrett just over the head. Yeah, and I, I broke my acoustic guitar over my uncle's head in one of our like hardcore Falls Count Anywhere matches. And there's a oh, lot of screws shit. in the body of that guitar. And I, I punctured his head like with a couple of screws here on the top of his head. So then there was like blood coming down. We, we didn't break character. We kept going. Like we kept wrestling and, you know, saw the match through. But it, it, it got pretty hectic. Like there were some real injuries, like a few broken bones here and there you know a lot of cuts and bruises and uh, what was the end game like did this get filmed was this was all coping? filmed yeah so we we had a film crew as well so we had the intros and everything we had someone working the camera we had people on commentary uh we'd either do commentary live or try and do it in post so yeah we we, ran, we ran this for yeah. for probably a year and a half i think but then, you know, just, just got too much and, we all and got too time-consuming. Yeah, and people got injured. Like, it was, it was, it was pretty hectic. We were all laid hectic. up in hospital and couldn't record the next episode. Yeah, so... And that sort of blended in parallel. Like, we did, like, myself and a few other friends, we had, like, a jack-off spin-off that we called Spoonhead, which was similarly so... you mean? Yeah, so we were getting injured a lot with that too. So we are constantly just broken and, and bruised and bloody from all this stuff, but... Yeah, it was all about the wrestling life. Like I went to, um, in my late teenage years, I actually went and did some classes at uh, Capital Pro Wrestling in oh. Canberra. Oh. So I went to like a wrestling school because I was like, I'm going to become a professional wrestler. I'm going to move to America and I'm going to marry Lita. Like that was like, <laughs> that was my dream. I'm like, this is what's happened in universe. No one's getting in my way. So yeah, I went to the wrestling school, learned some of the nuances and, and the, you know, the tips of the trade and and how to how to sort of script out a out a match and choreograph it all the right way and whatnot. Did that for I think I went to four lessons or whatever and then ran out of money because I was, you know, still late teens and working at yeah. Woolies. But yeah, I've I've been a big wrestling fan for a long while. I've sort of fallen off the wagon over the last ten years or so, but I still keep up to date. Like I'll still jump on a on a wrestling news website just to sort of read up and see what's going on. Or I still try and catch like WrestleMania every year and Royal Rumble. I still try and watch them every year just to sort of see because they're the they're the pinnacles really, uh, as far as the pro wrestling uh, pay per views go. But yeah, there's so many offshoots now. But yeah, just just wrestling's great. It's been in my DNA for for years and years and years and years and years. <laughs> and I still wish I had all those tapes. I think my mum might have some. Uh, like we we got belts made and everything. I I was not a dual champion. I was the heavyweight champion mm. uh, for a little bit, but I was constantly sort of always losing to captain holiday like he was my main nemesis and i could never really get there but then i finally beat him at, at one of the pay-per-views we did and it was like you know the career moment i'm not on a hall of fame board or anything yet but you know what maybe i'll make a website after this and put myself yeah. on there so you can suck it but yeah yeah um that's my wrestling you gotta, background you gotta dig up the the guitar video yes yeah oh, 
that's got to go on like 8-bit YouTube or something. <laughs> yeah, it was serious and like it was just yeah. spur of the moment. My mum got so angry because obviously she <laughs> bought me this guitar, which I never played oh, anyway, oh. but then I and smashed I mean, it over like, my like uncle's those, head. Those guitars as well, like obviously for WWF standards, like they're obviously... Plywood. Not, cardboard. Yeah, pl- plywood, not real. <laughs> like they're pretty flimsy yeah. sort of ones. Like anything that Jeff Jarrett was thrown over the head of any competitor was not, you know, to the standard of a real acoustic guitar. So you going all Elkabong on someone is uh, you know pretty pretty crazy to, to, to even think of so I reckon you gonna... could I reckon you could drop a guitar off the roof and it wouldn't break like that's they can be pretty, pretty sturdy. sturdy when did those warning messages at the start of the wrestling like do not try this at home when did that yeah. start probably not early that enough was... <laughs> yeah <laughs> I reckon that was like the start of the backyard wrestling era where maybe the internet era, I guess, where videos started to pop up. And I used to watch all those like compilations of like dudes playing wrestling on like trampolines and stuff, mm-hmm. but they were doing crazy, stupid stuff. It was awesome. Yeah. Like I, I was importing a lot of the, the backyard wrestling tapes and the early ECW tapes, like buying them online um, through eBay or just finding, you know, stuff, even mm. found like ads in like the classifieds of people selling a lot of tapes. So I found a lot of hard to find stuff like a lot of the the OG ECW when it was still like Eastern Championship Wrestling pay-per-views their first ones and found some of the original footage of like Mick Foley when he was in Japan doing like the the razor wire matches and the bloody you know the plastic explosive shit on boards and and like all this just insanity so yeah I had so much of it and yeah my, my goal and my dream for many a year was yeah I was going to the WWF and I was going to be a professional wrestler and yeah, I was gonna gonna marry Lita, even though she's like what fifteen years older than us all or whatever. But she was my lady, and I was gonna find her. I think when um, Mick Foley first won the championship as Mankind, they played a bit of a you know a vignette or a highlights package that showed footage of his backyard wrestling when he was a kid. Yeah, like he j- jumping off the roof onto the mattress. And I think actually after that was when a huge slew of of people started doing. <laughs> more backyard wrestling and filming and thinking it was going to be their journey to the WWF, much, much like Brendan probably. And I think that's when they probably would have started yep. some of those messages. Yeah, 100%. And and you, you hear the stories and you watch the the history of some of these wrestlers and, and they're, they're wrestling in bingo halls and nearly killing themselves for like 20 mm. bucks, you know, for gas money or for yeah. money to just pay for food and a roof over their head week to week. Like it is insane hearing these stories and watching these journeys of these these people coming from nothing to potentially something and earning millions but it's it's very few and far between there's mm. you know for every rock there's 10 million other people that are living off 20 cents a week and nearly killing themselves but yeah that's our background so i thought maybe we could we could sort of segue into talking favorite wrestlers so so maybe we'll sort of break it up into favorite sort of male wrestlers that we had during that 90s early 2000s era and then we can sort of maybe give some special mention to some favorite female wrestlers or valets as well from that era. So uh, as far as favorite male wrestlers, like um, it's funny because a lot of the backgrounds we've got for our uh, Zoom call, at least mine and Ali's, they're, they're, they're my boys right there. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Hardy boys uh, with with their fearlessness and that probably shaped a lot of the, uh, the CWF for, for me. But <laughs> yeah, as, as we mentioned before, Mick Foley, uh, Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love and his other other, you know, personas when he was just Mick Foley at times too when he you know was without the without the shtick and he was just himself he was my man because he was just 
an average dude, like average looking, out of shape, but just put it all on the line every single match. Like King of the Ring 98, the, mm. the Hell in the Cell match he did with The Undertaker is still probably my favorite match of all time. Uh, and just reading and hearing about more of the the, the back the back sort of uh, backstage storylines, like Undertaker did that match on a broken ankle for one, and you know that match started with them right on the top of the cell and Foley getting knocked silly uh, for a choke slam from the top to the ring. Uh, you know, gets all kinds of messed up, loses some teeth. One ends up in his bloody nose through his yeah, nose, and the yeah. other one like oh. he bites through his lip, and he is not on this planet for the rest of that match, but they still somehow put together this 20-minute onslaught. Um, and from that, I just had this newfound respect and, and adoration for this dude that was just out there wrestling for his family. You know, you hear about how much his family and his kids meant to him, and he was just this dude that loved the business and gave it his all every single time. And you thought, this, there's a chance he could die this match. Like, he did that choke slam, and then the next one he gets knocked off and thrown into the announce table which is an insane bump too because they didn't even move any of the, um, the, the, yeah. the video monitors and stuff like that. He just got you know sent from heaven to hell in this one hit. And yeah, Mick Foley's my man. So I wanted to give some love to, to Mick Foley and his iterations and his passion. What about you, Miss Hart? Where, where are you at? Where, you wanna, where do you want to take us as far as your favorite wrestlers? So um, unfortunately, I've got this like angle where it's going to be girl crush, you know, so... Gorgeous looking That's men okay. wrestling. So, <laughs> um, but specifically seeing the Hardy Boys and seeing what they did, like their theme music, it was like pumping, got you excited. They did the most craziest stunts. And I had a big crush on Jeff Hardy. So, um, didn't everyone during that period? Did they? Because I know when I went to high school and my binder had pictures of Jeff Hardy, all the girls were like, what the fuck? So <laughs> they're all Jonathan Taylor Thomas is so much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, he's wearing eyeliner and nail polish. That's weird. Why is his hair so long? I didn't care. So, you know, and also like heavy metal alley, you know, she's she would be into that anyway. So I and I like I was like really into the Hardy Boys. Like I I <laughs> shit. I found out where they lived. I Okay. He waited outside their house. <laughs> I, like, in, I wrote the messages. Yeah. I held up a boom Cut box. The, the plot my thickens hair. about moving to America now. Like that's just stage one of the plan. <laughs> yeah, going to Carolina. It's just a long, elaborate plan <laughs> since um, my early, you know, teens. Breaking into the Hardy compound. <laughs> oh God. Oh uh, no. And plus, we all know that you know he's a fast throw of being on this planet Earth anymore. So that's long mm. gone. But yeah, like. That that's essentially where like the peak of my especially my wrestling fandom was just just absolutely fascinated with the Hardy Boys specifically Jeff and a, the, a weird crush on Kevin Nash. Oh, <laughs> okay, you know that is weird. Diesel, it, it is a bit weird. I guess you know, long hair. I don't know. I can't explain it. Everybody had long hair. I, I don't yeah. know. I can't explain it. I can't explain. <laughs> Do you still find Kevin Nash? A bit sexy now in his yeah. older days with his short sort of um, military hair. silver fox hair and stuff. Yeah, he's, he still goes all right. I'm pretty certain, though, he was in, like, Magic Mike, though. And He was, yeah. Yeah, he was. He was, he was pretty ripped in that. Yeah, like, but fair play it was kind of sad, too, because he was, like, an aging, you know, drunken stripper. stripper. Yeah, so I'm just like, this is <laughs> a little bit sad. But either way, I guess, you know, 
I got to he see was that aging side. In, um, in the Punisher as well. He looked real old in that too. He looked too. weird in that though. Like yeah. they, he looked very uh, odd. But like that's kind of where my fandom kind of sat. So I've got that like kind of girl crush element to it, and obviously psycho killer crush to it as well. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> did you um? Did you ever utilize the uh, the cut up stockings? Did you wear them at all? I wore them like when I did a bit of a, a change up in my CWF attire. I rocked the stockings for a hot minute. So I had the metal ball chain. Oh, yep. And I had the fishnet top and um, the big, thick, like, belt with, like, the studs on it and, like, baggy black pants. So I guess I kind of leaned into the Hardy Boys and took a few elements from Lita as well. Like, so that's kind of like where my fashion was heading as well. I was super cool, guys, I promise you. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I, I wasted so much money buying stuff from the WWF shop back in the day, especially with the, the dollar conversion and the freight to Australia. Like, Ooh. I'd blow my work, like, my work check, like, my paycheck instantly on like three t-shirts and a, and a vhs and it'd kill me but then i'd be happy for five minutes then i'd be sad that what, I'm broke. what was your favorite from the the wwe shop at that point um depends on like i had a had a bit of hardy boys gear i remember i had like a lime green hardy boys t-shirt with the like the hb logo in the middle yeah. Did you have i the wasted money pendant? and bought the necklace yeah. with the pendant because <laughs> i was rocking some beads and some studs and stuff throughout my my early years as well but I think one of my favorite shirts I had was I had a Kurt Angle shirt and it said, You suck on the front. And then on the back it said, It's true, it's true. And I'm like, Yeah, like I was rocking that a bit. I like during those teenage years, you know, when you'd go and you'd see a lot of these, um, these shirts where they were like sort of snarky slogans. Like I remember I bought a shirt from Patty's Markets. Do you remember the band, uh, the brand called Porn Star that was out for a little while? I think so. No. They grabbed a lot of pop culture, like shots from like movies and tv shows and then put like random slogans on it like i remember i bought a shirt and like i cringe thinking about it now but it had um the fonz on it uh from happy days doing like the fonz thumbs and on the on the, above it it's like i fucked your girlfriend and then it's like e <laughs> and like I shirts think I like know that what you're talking about yeah <laughs> yeah and I, I for some reason i thought that shirt was like i think sit down and think about it now i'm like you're a dickhead where did you wear that though? uh probably twice like you know trying to be cool you know <laughs> hanging out with friends yeah yeah but anyway nice i digress i'm i'm back what about you tilby where, where are you at where's your uh your love for the wrestlers who you, who you want to bring to the table oh, i mean look if if any sort of you know young kid watching raw or smackdown for the first time it's it's got to be the rock like it's so crazy to think that this was the pathway for him to be you know mm. literally the biggest movie star on the planet um even like in his early days when he was rocking the $5,000 sh- shirts, unbuttoned, super long um, sideburns and sunnies. You, you could, and the sunnies as well. Like you could even sort of see how his, his, his tones and his mannerisms sort of changed from his early years where he spoke really slowly. The Rock did this in, and spoke in a tone of voice like this. And then he sort of, gradually you know sped it up and, and got a little bit more um i guess entertaining electrifying. The, a little bit more electrifying is probably the better way to say it um but like i think the first piece of merch i had was yeah like a a pretty sort of like cheap or like fake shirt from a from a, a market in brisbane that was like 
was a, a design of the rock on a black shirt and it was it was him and his like really expensive five thousand dollar shirt with a microphone in hand and like any time the rock had a microphone in his hand you'd know some crazy shit was gonna go down he was gonna call someone a jabroni tell them to turn it sideways and stick it straight up their candy ass mm. like for me like that was just like the most crazy shit for like a seven or eight year old to ever hear um that was like the start for me like as i got a little bit older i like i i loved uh edging christian just being like absolute comedic shit heels Mm -hmm. just walking around playing the kazoo and the five second pose and all that sort of stuff like and and even like it was so funny because obviously they're they're a bunch of douchebags at that point but they they still managed to sneak it out in all of the, the crazy TLC matches with the Hardys and the Dudley boys and everything like that. Like, um, yeah, Kurt Angle w- was, was pretty funny at that, that period. He was also a bit of like a, a bit of a comedy dork who could still out wrestle you, <laughs> you know, any, any which way, f- um, you could, but like, yeah, there were so many, like I could easily go on like the, the undertaker as well. DX of, as my, my picture would, would probably mm-hmm. show, but like, yeah, the, the sort of vi- the vibrant characters he had in, in wrestling in that period were, were so crazy. And even though it was, it's not as you know, it's not as crazy as the, the larger than life sort of early '90s WWF with Hogan and, and Macho Man. It's it's still like there's so much character to it. I just love it. It just went full full gimmick at the back end of the '90s when you had pimps, you had doctors, you had police officers, you had. You know, all these weird people that had these backstories you meant to believe in and then you just have, yeah, dudes like The Rock. Like, it was just this crazy juxtaposition of... I loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it all worked and that's that's the best part about it. Like, I know wrestling's a lot more grounded in probably present day. You, you've got a few living caricature characters that are still, you know, doing the rounds and whatnot, but for the most part, it is just more relatable everyday people that are that are on the screens now as opposed to... Yeah, this this undead icon or his brother that survived a house fire and whatever else. They made him just... a suit. They made yeah. him a like, businessman, <laughs> corporate suit person. Yeah, and now he's like the governor of Tennessee or, or oh, like yeah. one of the one Knox of the cities. Yeah, yeah, Knox County. That's right. Like yeah, I Glenn just, Jacobs. I just loved it. Like one of the like one of the most popular wrestlers of all time is just a guy who loves to drink beer and hate the guy he's working for. Yeah. Like amongst this sea mm. of people who are larger than life and have all these crazy gimmicks, like it's just this guy, this this simple man who who just wants to, you know, be a be a guy and, and, and hate his boss who was who got over so much. It it's so crazy that Stone Cold was even able to do that. I, I guess it's funny because yeah. wrestling caters to a particular demographic and I guess a lot of the uh the blue collar people that watch wrestling can get behind it and be like yeah, I fucking hate my boss too. I'm going to drink beers and <laughs> not mentioning the that finger. demographic though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Stone Cold that that 316 um promo he cut obviously sent him into the stratosphere and What? Yeah. Yeah, the what stuff annoyed me a little bit in his me later too. days. Yeah. What? I did like hell, yeah. Like <laughs> it got bigger than the it got bigger than him. It's, yeah, they still do. People still do that. I think so. Yeah, uh, too. Well, it's it's hard now because obviously COVID has well, sort of taken away crowds. But like for years after he he sort of hung them up, like it still happened. Like I think that's it. That'll be his lasting legacy, which is a little bit 
a little bit more disappointing, but because it's it's now probably more used to just troll, you know, shit on shit on anyone who's you know got a microphone in their hand. But yeah, I think the most impressive thing about Stone Cold not related to his wrestling ability, was the fact that he never dropped a beer can. Like, they were getting thrown from all over the place. And he'd be catching one in that hand, then he'd have one in that hand, he'd catch another one in the same hand. Like, he'd always catch him. Like, I was amazed at that. Like, put him in the slips for, you know, the American cricket team. He'd do great. Like, he never dropped a beer. He spilled well, most of it on of... himself afterwards, but, yeah. like, he never dropped a can. That's what I was going to say. The amount of beer he was able to get out of the beer cans, even after he's, like, full-on just crushing it in his hand and just sculling it he got quite a bit of beer out of like a particularly regular sized beer can so full play to yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. what about you Jono? who who do you want to bring to the squared circle today uh it's it's a it's kind of two different people that i want to talk about and the first one like if i can meet any wrestler like my favorite personality in it is mick foley as i talked about his books that i really enjoyed and just his down-to-earth and his relatability and his sense of humor i just feel like he would be like the coolest guy to just spend like the night with or mm. just to you know have a couple of drinks with or, or share a steak over um and he's just got so many awesome experiences and stories and i think coming from you know being the guy who had to disassemble and pack up the wrestling ring and drive it to the next city and set it up to kind of get his foot in the door he, yeah, he's got that appreciation for what he got out of life and what he got out of wrestling, but then also, you know, probably took it too far in terms of how much he sacrificed his body. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's interesting to see probably what he thinks about it now that it's all said and done. But yeah, so he, he would be the main guy. But as far as, you know, because I came to wrestling after he had basically retired, so everything that I appreciated about him was in retrospect. Kurt Angle was my guy. Oh my and god! He was my dude. Like I love Kurt Angle, and I think I kind of had a bit of pride in that my favorite guy was a heel because I was, you know, in that like online community, and I was exposed to kind of the people who were like more advanced in their fandom and could like expose, like, oh, you know what, Jeff Hardy's actually not a good wrestler, and here's why. Fuck and I probably off. picked up, <laughs> yeah, I probably picked up some of those like attitudes about like the technical abilities of like some of the wrestlers and that there might be people like the rock who were amazing on the mic but their in-ring work was like a bit less uh exemplary and kurt angle was just that guy who because he was literally an olympic gold medalist um which is an amazing story in itself and he won it with a broken freaking neck and he won it with a broken freaking neck and uh i've got his book as well and it's pretty cool to to hear his story um he had that in-ring ability and he adjusted to wrestling so quickly, like quicker than anyone had ever before as far as coming to the WWF and becoming one of the stars so quickly. But he also was, as Tilby mentioned before, like really dorky and really funny and clever in his uh, persona. And really when he started to play that up as the heel, uh, I just found him really entertaining as kind of like the foil in the side of, of guys like the rock and stone cold and being like a really good, like kind of juxtaposition with the cowboy hat and, you know, the cowboy hat and all that. Yeah. And drinking the milk. And it was just like, you know, I'm a pretty wholesome guy. So I appreciated the kind of angle that he was going with. And then in the, in the latter years, uh, he, he was obviously 
a heel and really scummy, but he would kind of also be it was almost like we had the anti-hero and he was like the anti-villain where he was like trying to be this all-american boy but at deep down he was he was kind of sketchy and and would do anything it takes so yeah i I really was into kurt angle and uh appreciated what he was able to do he had some of the best matches of that era like i mentioned the shane mcmahon king of the ring where he just took the the biggest beating um, yeah, both of them really did. Gave, we gave Shane McMahon the biggest beat. That belly to belly you did to Shane McMahon, where the panel didn't break first, and yeah. they did it again. And you could see Shane McMahon was concussed from that moment on, and then he's still elbow dropping from the rafters and stuff. Like it was cool. Yeah, he's an underrated like lunatic bump taker. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. But he still does. Yeah. He does it nowadays, and that's what annoys me. He comes in just to get some glory now. Shane McMahon, like completely <laughs> off topic, but yeah, stop with that please <laughs> <laughs> you got a family shane think of your kids yeah yeah and i mean kurt had that moment in uh was it uh with brock lesnar where yeah. the same same thing happened like he he did the uh brock lesnar did the the shooting, the, the star, shooting star and, and nearly broke his neck yeah yeah, yeah. and oh. yeah yeah I, I appreciate uh the professionalism of those guys when they're able to finish those matches it's just like insane they just sort of go onto autopilot and just push it yeah, through running on fumes yeah like uh, i don't know if you've seen the um the tna heavyweight match between jeff hardy and sting where jeff hardy is off his ass on drugs and mm. they try and do this match and it is it is a mess it is one of the sloppiest <laughs> things you'll ever see but uh yeah poor old jeff hardy he's got a lot of demons oh, i think boy. he's he's got them under control for now but it seems like they're never too far away there from old jeff hardy well, I think his body is probably catching up with him. Like you hear about him and, uh, and obviously Matt over in AEW at the moment, you hear the things like, oh yeah, I need to have my spine fused or all this sort of stuff. And I was like, the amount of bumps that they've taken in the last you know, 20 years or, or, or whatever it is, like they probably shortened their, their life expectancy by a good 10, oh, yeah. maybe even 15 years, yeah. just jumping off ladders and, mm. you know, landing on people on tables and stuff. It's like, you know, it's it's all well and good to entertain an audience, but when you're, you know, going into that sort of serious level of medical attention, I think you need to really sort of start considering your uh, your future, I guess. Mm. Chasing Especially that with what we know about concussions and stuff now. Like True. I know... Like on the back of Mick Foley's book, there's a, a really cool picture of just Cactus Jack and it's the diagram and pointing to like every injury that he's had. And it's just like bruised kidney, over 325 stitches, four front teeth knocked out, two thirds of ear ripped off, eight concussions. I think he would have had like way more than eight concussions. Yeah. yeah. I, um, like the, because <laughs> it, it's obviously different now because like obviously back in the Attitude Era, chair shots over the head were just yeah. like, common play like you could just go to town and of course there was that match between the rock and mankind when i, I think the, the i quit match when the rock hit him over the head i think what like 22 times yeah. and it was it was in that documentary i think it was beyond the mat yeah. and it was like they they had footage of um mick foley's wife like in the in the audience or and like kids and, and kids like backstage and they were just watching their their husband or their dad just like being absolutely wailed on and they were like crying and he like and they get backstage and he's and Mick Foley's like yeah look it happens but there he is with like almost a huge dent in his head and there's just blood everywhere and it's like 
God, that, that was there was problems with that. I don't know if you hear the story, but like, The Rock wasn't meant to do all that stuff. Yeah, they went <laughs> yeah. a bit off Cause, script cause, with it. Yeah, because yeah, Mick Foley had his hands cuffed behind his back, so he had no way to like. Usually, they put their hand up and they kind of yeah. do that. And Mick Foley kind of prided himself on not doing that move and just taking a chair shot. But when you've got your hands cuffed he couldn't even like move his body with it to kind of reduce the blow and he he took like something like five or six in succession like bang 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 and that wasn't part of the script mm-hmm. rock just kind of got carried away um so I, when i was reading the rocks first book i was like okay i'm really excited to read this part and see how he kind of justifies it but there's sections of that book where he goes into character and it's just like, The Rock did this and The Rock did that. And, the, and it's like, he just glossed over Gosh. it completely. Yeah. But shout out to The Rock and Sock Connection. That was one of my favorite yeah. tag moments in that era too. Those two were perfect together. And just mankind when he was more humanized mankind instead of the, the creepy guy that escapes the mm. asylum and is down in the boiler room and whatever else. Like he's, yeah, just, just a dude wearing a mask, having fun. You know, and that's some of the best comedy as well from that era, especially in wrestling or anything. So, yeah, I wanted to also give a bit of a shout out to Chris Jericho. Uh, yeah. I think when yeah, he came Y2J. onto the scene as Y2J, that was huge. Like that debut on Raw where him and The Rock cut that promo, seeing two of the best talkers go back and forth live on Raw, that was huge. And like, obviously, Jericho's still wrestling today in, in the AEW. He's. He's looking a little bit worse for wear. Like the age is starting to catch up to him and he's starting to get a bit of that melted leather look. And Yeah, but he's still a hell of a talker. Slowed down a little bit in the ring, but, you know, just some of the moves he brought, like the lion salt was something pretty pretty new for for mainstream wrestling audiences because he spent a lot of time in Japan and whatnot. So he had a Mm. few sort of arrows in in the quiver that were fresh and, and just every one of his promos just felt like it was perfect and even in his later years when he was like you know you make the list and stuff like that like mm. he was so wise and just some of these wrestlers to be able to have that audience in the palm of your hand and you know get them to to cheer or boo on command with depending on what you're saying like it's such a such a rare trait and um well it's like yeah. there's two things i wanted to say about jericho was i mean the first one being the fact that he was able to sort of constantly shift his persona or his style with every time he came back yeah. like he, he was long haired Jericho with the the full tights and then next the next thing you know he's come, like walking around in suits and you know wearing the old wrestling like wrestling togs and whatnot and then next thing you know he's coming out in jeans doing like hardcore stuff and it's like Every next time you saw him, he was constantly evolving with the times, and and then obviously I yeah, went to you know the list of Jericho and all that sort of stuff. Like the way he was able to evolve and constantly keep moving with the times, sort of I think is what kept him, I guess, cu- culturally relevant in the wrestling scene, mm-hmm. which is hard to do mm-hmm. uh, at the best of times. Um, and number two, he's got to be up there for one of the best wrestling themes of all time. One of the best like, intros, yeah. I think. I wasn't huge on his like his theme music per se, but I think when it was all packaged together and it was the countdown and then he's standing there with the arms out and yeah. he'd have, you know, crazy light show jacket things going off and stuff like that. I think that was it had just this cool swagger, but it And when yeah. he was undisputed champion and he like stick out one of the belts and then he'd stick out the other belt. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and he was such a great heel in that like three or four month run as undisputed champion because 
I, I don't know if you guys remember when that happened, but I was like, no way. Yeah. Like these, he was like the he was the dark horse. He was the last person you expected to first ever win. undisputed champion. It was Jericho. Yeah, because it was up against like Rock, Austin, like Kurt Angle, and I was being a big Kurt guy. I thought he should have had it, and it was just like, oh man. And he had it right up until WrestleMania. Mm. All right, so great. Maybe, maybe we shift gears and. Uh, pay a little bit of special attention to the, the female wrestlers and, and the valets of, of that era. Um, obviously, female wrestling has changed a lot since since this time. Like uh-huh. It is more so now about being a good mat tactician and, and putting on a good match as opposed to tits and ass, really, is what they were, what they were selling in that era, really. It was just sexploitation. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, it was just girls in as little as possible showing off as much as possible. They'd occasionally have some some matches. A lot of the times it was like bra and panties matches, bloody jelly matches, all these ridiculous things. And some of the storylines on the back of that was was pretty rough. Like you, as a younger kid, you're probably a bit blind to the, the context of some of that stuff and you're just looking at it for just, you know, women in bikinis. But when you get a bit older and you go, Jesus Christ, they put this on television, you know. Trying to make sure that mum's not... Uh- turned around the corner and seen you watching yeah it. <laughs> yeah you felt a bit bit naughty watching some of that stuff but um i i want to i've obviously already talked about who sort of my uh my my fave was and that was that was Lita. so yeah seeing her debut with bloody sa rios of all people just this uh little uh luchador fella and then she she jumped across with the hardy boys and they they were one of the best uh the best groups through that entire era and even now today like they were just perfect together mm. uh and the fact that Lita was a high flyer as well like she was up there doing moonsaults and getting all kinds of crazy and, and risking herself as well as as opposed to just being the eye candy that some of the other women from that era were known as she really broke down that barrier to for female wrestling her and Trish Stratus I think and and their sort of impact on that mm. the mainstream was huge and uh, but yeah, Lita uh, still still rocking and rolling now. She's like a front woman for a band. Uh, she still pops up occasionally in the WWE and whatnot. But yeah, I was in love with her from from like at first sight. I was like, my god. And as I said, I was going to marry. Her. I was moving to America. She was my wife to be. She didn't know it at the time, but yeah, I was marrying her. Sadly, that didn't play out. But no, that's life. But yeah, shout out to Amy Dumas, and uh, all she did is is the leader character in the WWF. <laughs> See, something about the Hardy Boys makes you like psychotic and obsessive. Yeah. See? It's it's just part and parcel. <laughs> yeah. But I think you just it. you just hear that first note drop in their intro and it just gets yeah. you going. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best intros <laughs> still to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gets you pumping. And the feedback as it builds yeah. up. <sighs> who's jumping in? Who's sharing who's sharing some some other thoughts on on the, the female aspect of the uh the the '90s and early 2000s. Tilby, what do you got oh, for us? Jump yeah, in. Ah, uh, man, it's got to be got to be Trish Stratus. I mean, the the fact that she was put into a tag team with both Test and Albert to be known as T and T and A, like <laughs> the creative genius. Like, um, I, I I just love the fact that yeah, she she was able to evolve from you know was people saw her originally as that eye candy and, and sort of became arguably you know one of the best women's wrestlers um of not only not only that company but probably of all time like she was a huge trailblazer for that sort of wrestling period and um she was just everywhere like 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 you said leader and, and trish were the, were the two 
you know, front runners. And then it was just daylight. There was nothing there underneath that, which was a, a bit of a shame for the for the women's uh, division at that point. Like they obviously had a women's title, but it's like if you've only really got two women to really compete from it, you've then you've got to start, you know, bringing in people like Stephanie and, and all that sort of stuff. And it just, it sort of cheapened it a little bit. So having someone like Trish who, who obviously put in, the time and the effort to, to really evolve and, and come alive as a, a women's wrestler was, was such a, a huge thing for, for not only the, the attitude era, but like the ruthless aggression era at that point where she really sort of made her name for it. But yeah, she was fantastic for me. There was something about that cowboy hat too oh. that she was rocking. <laughs> I was like, goodness gracious me. Uh, Are there cowboys in Canada? Uh, There's a few. Oh yeah, There's actually a few. the prairies, right? Um, I just want to also yeah. re- remember... <laughs> bring to light just before jeff hardy probably reached his first like breakdown they were trying to do a love story between jeff hardy and trish stratus like he saves her and kisses her and there was this moment i i was pissed by the way so i always hate trish stratus from now on um (laughs) that's my man trish (laughs) tits mcgee um so but i just always remember that moment and i was like oh what is this? But then Jeff went, and then I'm sure my interest started to fade. Um, I also want to point out one, like I do like Lita. Like Lita's fantastic. Um, but I also have my love for um, a character called. Uh, I'm gonna see if anyone remembers her, like Victoria. Oh yeah, brunette yeah. woman. She she was good in the ring too. She was a bit feisty, she, very angry. She was like like her whole thing was that she was like psychotic. Like she was like you know she was obsessed with winning and then she would like pick fights and she'd just be obsessed with making that person's life hell and i just loved her psycho nature also tattoo was her intro music oh <laughs> that's right <laughs> so and it was great i just loved that that intro because it was the line from the song of have i lost my mind and it would echo across the arena and i'm like that is so so cool. So if I really wanted to model myself off any kind of female wrestler, it would actually be Victoria. <laughs> I loved her. She was badass to me. I'm, I'm going to take a punt and say that Jono is going to mention Tori Wilson. <laughs> Look, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'll be honest, I didn't really care much for the women wrestling in the 2000s and I'm going to blame the wwe for that because i just it just wasn't it wasn't present it wasn't there it wasn't it wasn't a priority at all and like victoria was definitely a wrestler that stood out because oh she's actually like wrestling like she's doing moves mm, yeah she's she was one of the few bumps. there was like her there was jacqueline she wrestled a little bit mm-hmm. but then yeah you had your deborahs and stuff like that that Stacey were just Keeble. ballets that would oh, yeah legs yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> Brennan so, has to go lie down. <laughs> so as, as far as like the rest, like if they were actually wrestling, it was like Trish, Lita, Victoria. And if it was anyone else, I was just kind of like, eh, what's, what are they going to do this time? Um, and yeah, it, it's so cringe to think back. And like, even at the time, I was kind of like embarrassed about the way, like if it was like a Tori or Trish doing a promo, they would like, the, the camera would like start at their feet or something and like pan up. And it was just like, really? And the crowd would go, ooh, or whatever. And it was just very like through the lens of Vince McMahon's oh, like, it's insane. Libido that we were seeing all these people. Like, remember, remember the, the storyline where he had 
Trish strip down into her bra and panties in the ring and then like get on her hands and knees and walk around and bark like a dog, like her boss is making her do Jeez. this in front of everybody. Like so stuff much like that. You're like, my cringe. God. Times have changed. And there was like the whole like HLA action, mm-hmm. like hot lesbian action. And it was just like, where's my parents? I hope they're not. <laughs> because if they walk in, it's like, I'm embarrassed to be watching this, even without anyone knowing Stacey about it. Stacey Keebler's um, special move was her literally showing, like, her ass crack and panties. Like, that was her move. She would yeah. distract people. Like, that was bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that how she got George Clooney? I forgot <laughs> about that. And then she lost, she lost him? Yeah, but, yeah. like... Yeah, he's married to, like, a lawyer or something. Yeah. But I, I actually was a fan of Stacey because I was just, like... She's obviously gorgeous, but I was also like, "Why is she hanging out with the Dudley Why Boys? Why not? Like, what's <laughs> like, what's the connection here? Like, I, I the Dudley Boys were my like favorite tag team in that era, and I was like, I love the Dudley Boys. Why is she hanging out with them? <laughs> like, they never really made any attempt to explain. Like, is she like their sister? Apparently, is she? think that they're funny it was, yeah, it, was just, it was just female the, foil like, Dudley all Boy it was. Law, it's just it's weird like oh they're all like a traveling family and, and like a traveling yeah and and it was like if if that if that's the case and she's a part of the Dudley Boy stable it's like does that mean there's is the sister or something i was like what the hell you know you can't like read they... too heavily into a lot of the storylines that are thrown at us in the wrestling game like yeah and then they took yeah. like things from real life and put it into the shows like matt and Lita were dating in real life and then she cheated on matt with edge and then they put that into a storyline and then made edge and so Lita dumb. have sex in quotes in the middle of the ring like they got a bed in there and jumped under there and stripped down and like shit like that like it's insane. Yeah. It really is insane. You know, Val Venus getting his penis cut off. Just all these weird yeah, things yeah. that make no sense. Choppy choppy to pee pee. <laughs> May Young giving birth to a hand. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, would, oh, don't spl- I was going to say that for my favorite <laughs> moment. <laughs> so much of that stuff that they just pretend like it never happened though. Yeah. Like gimmick wise. It's just like, oh, if we don't mention it, people will forget. And it'll be like, you know... Wasn't Kane's face like completely it burnt was and everything? Yeah, and he had a he had a no and, and then like he had a yeah a voice box thingy for a while too, and then he then he could talk. And then they took his mask off one day, and I was like, oh, he's ugly. Is he meant to be ugly? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he was he's ugly. A, Glenn Jacob like, was yeah. not a good looking fella. He was butt isn't ugly. It? Yeah, but then it's like, is is that the reason he's wearing the mask? Anyway. See, like Stephanie McMahon got drugged and you know married to Triple H, right? Like, and yeah. yet yeah. they're still yeah, married. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, like, got a few kids. <laughs> bring that up with the kids. Yeah, shout out to Triple H though. He like in real life, sick. he bought Vince McMahon for his his birthday a real life Tyrannosaurus Rex skull, and it's in his. In Vince McMahon's office so on the wall. So we're going Jurassic like, Park for a second. <laughs> yeah. Cost, cost him a million bucks apparently to buy a real life T-Rex head. But it's it's in there on the wall and it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. But something else that's also cool is our Patreon producers. So just wanted to take some time to shout out Aaron L, Andrew Natoli, Beck Zagas, Ben Smith, Colin Sparing, Jared Howard, Liam Hart, Logan Wilkinson, Nathan Tilly-Laurie, and El Pete's for helping keeping these real lights on in our studio. Uh, your your generosity and your money goes a long way to helping keeping things going here and assisting us in doing what we do. So we love you and we thank you. And let's shift gears and maybe we'll 
talk about some biggest moments. So we'll just maybe go through a few highlights that stand out for us all as far as storylines, moves, whatever it is, whatever you want to define as, as your favorite or biggest moments from that 90s to early 2000s era. Jono, did you want to start us off? Yeah, I mentioned the King of the Ring was one of the first, well, it was the first pay-per-view I ever saw, one of the first wrestling events I saw with Kurt and Shane McMahon. So that always stood out for me. But then the invasion angle, again, being the, one of the first kind of storylines that I followed over a, a month or two, that was pretty exciting because I genuinely didn't quite understand how everything worked like the the dynamics and politics and, and everything so i genuinely was like oh whoever wins this match is the like the the side that wins yeah. so i i didn't quite understand that wwe had purchased ecw and it was like a foregone conclusion the, the, but I, the I, matches I, yeah. between rob van dam and jeff hardy in that invasion angle are so good their pay-per-view mm. match at the invasion pay-per-view is is one of my favorites it was clean yeah. Jeff Hardy. It was healthy Jeff Hardy <laughs> and, a, and a non-stoned Rob Van Dam. So good. <laughs> yeah, but I still wasn't getting the pay-per-views. It was, wasn't was until like later, like the next WrestleMania was the first one that I splurged for and, you know, taped it on TV and got all my friends to come around and watch. And that was, yeah, WrestleMania 18. Obviously, The Rock and Hulk Hogan is the memorable event from that. So that for me is probably like one of the bigger moments because it was like a pretty special match in a sense where not by design, but kind of just the way that wrestling crowds are kind of one step ahead of the writing and creative team. The crowd just turned on The Rock, which it was an amazing thing to witness. And they just started cheering for Hulk and, the moment at the end where they shook hands, you know, it's pretty iconic and there's like a literal almost passing of the torch. Um, so that was, yeah, definitely one that's up there. And the, the other pay-per-view that stands out for some reason as I put my list together was the first Elimination Chamber because oh, yeah. it was such a novelty. Ooh, yeah. It's like, you know, the, the, it was the first like new match since probably like TLC and Hell in a Cell before I started watching. So it was like, oh, what's this and how's it going to play out? And Shawn Michaels winning that was kind of, I, I don't know if it was his, like, like the sign that he was back, truly back. I don't know if that was it or if it was something else, but it was pretty cool to see this guy that I'd heard so much about return and, and be able to win something like that. So that was a pretty cool event too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, It was good to see HPK back in the ring again. Miss Hart, we're going to toss the, uh, toss the microphone over to you. Um, so my favorite like period, especially with the Hardy Boys, was the like the try kind of like disputes between the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian. That was just such a fun time. I just love the pettiness. Mm. I love the jokes, like ass cream. Like it was some weird shit, but I loved it. It was so juvenile. Um, so like WrestleMania 17, um, TLC. Yeah just it was like it's such a great match and i feel like everyone in that match gave it their all and they just kept on upping the ante and just like you you think you'd saw the best thing and then they go higher and then like mm. jeff jumps off this giant freaking ladder and, and like it it is one of the most epic matches and it, i've got to say it's probably one of the 
only matches where I go back to watch it. Like I don't really find myself going back to watch a lot of matches, um, but I always go back to that one, especially if I want to kind of feel that nostalgia and that attachment of what I really mm. loved about wrestling. So many big spots in that match, like the yeah. the spear but, when Jeff's hanging off yeah. the belts, the That's swanton the in the in the entrance way where you swear he broke his ass, oh. like that swanton, <laughs> and he flat lands on the ground, and then seeing. Spike Dudley run in, Rhino run in, Lita run in, and then all do some crazy stuff. And yeah, I don't know how people didn't die in that match. Like, <laughs> as you said, they they threw everything they could into that match. And it, it really uh, built upon, because at the Royal Rumble that year, they did the, the tables match before that, and it was insane. And then uh, No Mercy the year before, they did the, the first ever tag team triple threat ladder match. And so it just kept building and building. Yeah, surely they can't top this. And then they did with that WrestleMania match, and it just yeah, it's one of my all-time favorites. It's epic. So good. Whew. Tilby, what you got? Man, TLC two at WrestleMania was my number one hey. as well. I mean, that was that was like like Ali said, like they just kept going. Like there was no time to rest. Everyone had a, a part to play and, and played it so well. Um, and even like you said, like Spike leader and rhino everyone having sort of like their their press a on streets of rage to call your <laughs> call up. your backup mm-hmm. um that was oh, i was it's so intense and you know for someone like me who was just getting into wrestling at the time i was like holy shit they're doing all of this stuff that i've never even seen in a wrestling ring this is insane like in in a in a pay-per-view that is obviously regarded as possibly the best mm-hmm. pay-per-view of all time that for me stands out as possibly the best match. Like it's insane. Um, I've got some other like favorite moments, uh, Austin driving the beer truck and showering the rock with beer. Um, and then obviously as, as John, alluded to earlier, sort of referencing Kurt Angle driving the milk truck and, and showering the, uh, the Alliance in, in milk. So good. Um, so good. And, it was just and so... He did, he did the beer, like the, the milk carton yeah, thing. And it. <laughs> <laughs> he referenced that at his, um, his Hall of Fame induction, I think it was two years ago, and he sort of just ended it in a nice suit and everything. He had two big pints of milk, and he's just down it, and it's all down his suit. And I was like, that that's a good way to ruin a suit, but well in, Kurt, for uh, going the distance with that one. Um, obviously, Undertaker throwing Mankind off the cell really we haven't given enough uh credit to to good old jr jim ross for uh his commentary on that one it's obviously now iconic my god he's been <laughs> he's been broken in half he, he's and even though he's he's getting on in age now when he's still behind the microphone throwing throwing his play-by-play it is still probably the best in the in the business like the wwe sorely misses him they should have kept him on the books like whatever he wanted just pay him because he's he was mm. one of their their primary scouts. He was one of their lead bookers as mm. well as the lead man behind the microphone. And then they just let him go. Like, and you can see the product is still suffering to this day. Yeah, like even even him at like half capacity now for AEW is like ten times better than anything WWE currently has. Um, even though they've got Samoa Joe currently doing commentary, which is kind of cool. Um, he's in the new Justice League game, which is kind of cool. I didn't know that. But yeah, like JR, like anything he was just yelling out was just like utter madness. Like it's a slobber knocker. Yeah. He's stomping up like a government mule. <laughs> like, um, 
he's great. Like he just gives so much personality and character to what was an already like crazy vibrant time. Um, you sort of alluded to it as well, Brendan May Young giving birth to a hand after. Yeah, because yeah, she was yeah Henry. sexual chocolate. Her like May Young in her nineties, bless her, bless her soul. Yeah, and and big Mark uh, Henry, yeah. world's strongest man. Yeah, and then obviously the the last one for me, obviously this was sort of nearing the end or or well, not even the end like it was closer to the end but like the nwo joining the wwe um it's sort of in just after the invasion was like because i i'd never really watched wcw i'd heard of it and 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 sort of read a couple books and things but like seeing them actually do their thing and like these three guys who for all intents and purposes changed the wrestling business for for the better even though they kind of drove wcw into the ground but like hogan hall and nash and that that original three was such a a crazy time monday night wars sort of went full circle yeah like it was just incredible um and 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 as much as john i said like yeah that that wrestlemania match with hogan and the rock and when hogan hulks up you can see the crowd absolutely lose their shit i've never seen anything like it and and the rock's eyes like bulge out of his mm. his skull he's like oh my oh my god i'm about to like absolutely get it here and it, like just just the sign of a competitor absolutely you know selling for his opponent and putting hogan over as this like larger than life phenom and it was just incredible mm. yeah it really was and it's just just an era we'll, we'll never we'll never come close to i think with wrestling like you look at the numbers the view the viewership is dwindling year on year from where it was during that that peak period uh, and mm. maybe it is just due to i guess some of the the insanity and just these ridiculous parodies that played out on a screen that people just ate up as as real life so i think it was like a superhero era yeah. as well it was like you know pretty much now i don't follow wrestling but it seems like every character is just their real life name is their character like well, unless you get someone like orange cassidy you know, wrestling with his hands in his pockets like right you, uh, yeah <laughs> everyone needs to look up orange cassidy as a as a, okay. a, a side here look up orange cassidy and the best friends the best thing going in wrestling regardless yeah. of wwe or not right now mm-hmm. but yeah it was this this time where like a, a lot of there was this worship of, of these guys and like this status of like stone cold and hogan and undertaker and it was just like these people if they got pinned it was like what the hell just happened i can't believe or i can't believe someone kicked out of the stunner it was just like shocking to to be like a, a witness to these big moments like that and i mean i can't i'm not gonna talk about modern wrestling because i have heard it's a lot better it's you know improved in a, a lot of ways even since the the tail end of the era we're talking about but i think as far as like people just losing their mind yeah when you've got those guys that came up through that era and out of that era into i guess a more down to earth a more uh like what's the word grounded yeah it's a grounded yeah into a more grounded setting it it kind of was a formula for yeah those big moments i think Mm. and we got so many of them around that time yeah it was it was a fantastic era, and um, yeah, I miss it so much. Just occasionally watching current day wrestling, and some of it's great, some of it's so bad, so bad. But anyway, it, it's the world we live in. 
but yeah, I thought maybe we could we could finish up with a little, little bit of a game component. Uh, I like doing stuff like this, and uh, the way it's going to work is I've got I have twenty yeah I got I got twenty intros from wrestlers from the the nineties and early two thousands, oh, and God. it's going to be like a I'm, um, I'm going to start it playing. Yeah, you're gonna you got to yell out first one to yell out their name gets first crack at it. If they get it right, they're going to get a point. If they get it wrong, they're going to lose a point. So, um, and if you do get it wrong, you, you're out of the running for for that track. So, we'll kick things off. Uh, just just can you guys give me a test to make sure your buzzers are all working? Fine? Ali, Jono, Matt, perfect, perfect. <laughs> all right, let's kick things off with this little ditty. See if you can get it. Remember, first name in gets it. I'll pause the track. You can say your answer. And then we can uh, yeah, keep it going if, if you get it wrong. But uh, let's start it off with the first one. Mamacita. Jono. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Latino Heat. It's Eddie Guerrero. That is correct. That is a plus one for Jono. He is uh, off to the races. Okay. Number two. Oh. Matt. Jono. <laughs> Matt. What do you got for me? That is the rated R superstar Edge. That is Edge. Uh, one one. Ali, you're just behind, but you still got plenty of time to make up for it. The next one. Matt. That is Raven. That is Raven. <laughs> what gave it away? Nice. <laughs> I know some, some of them are pretty. I tried to avoid too many that said like their names or whatever else. Here's the next one. This one might be a little bit more difficult. I'm a bad man. Jono. What do you got for me? That is Rikishi. <gasps> you are correct. It is Rikishi. Wow. <laughs> two for two. His heel turn. <laughs> yeah. The sunglasses version of Rikishi. Yeah. Yep. The sunglasses version Say of Rikishi that. is correct. Here's the next one for y'all. What does everybody want? Matt. Jono. <sighs> the man in Jono's profile picture. It's Al Snow. <laughs> that is correct. It is Al Snow. All right, the next one. Miss Hart, can I just make sure that buzzer of yours is working? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got you there. Matt. What was that? Ali, who you got for this one? I didn't hear it because it cut out. <laughs> oh, hang on. I'll play a few more seconds for you, no, Ali. No, so give you can... it to Matt. This isn't fair. I'll just give it to Matt. I don't want to be given a handout. Give it to Matt. Okay, who you got for me, Matt? <laughs> That is the one Billy Gunn. That is the one Billy Gunn. <laughs> you are correct. All right, we're moving on to the seventh <laughs> intro here. Matt. That's got to be D'Lo. Yeah. That is D'Lo Brown. Yes. These are some that really good Brown. Brown. for me. All right, the next one. This one hopefully might stump you guys a little bit. So let's see. I tell you, DX is going to kick your ass right now. Thank you for telling us what to Matt. do. Who you got is for that me? X-Park? That is incorrect. You are losing a point. Ooh. I tell you, DX is going to kick your ass right now. And you're out of the running, Thank Tilby. You tell us what to do. Yeah. You think you could tell us what to wear? I don't want to risk it. You might as well. I've got no clue. Ali, you, yeah, you got nothing to lose, so go for it. No, I've got, I've got no clue who it is because it would be. I don't really know DX really well. I said, "Try it, man." 
I mean, it's looking Matt Tilby's background, virtual background, and pick someone. Well, it wouldn't be Triple H. Anyone get it? Dodge China. Buzzer in? I don't know who that guy is. Billy Dunn. Billy Dunn. Who's buzzing in? I don't want to risk the point, so I'm not buzzing in. Well, I'll just buzz into, you know, counter. I'm like, this can't be Billy Gunn. They weren't a full-time member of DX. There's a little tip for you, Miss Hart. Think of a a guest cameo from a celebrity. Ah, he's he's pretty good in a ring himself. (laughs) Jono. <laughs> now, Miss Hart called in first. She gets first first uh, rider refusal. No, I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> what? It's got a weird facial tattoo. What? Mike Tyson? That is correct. Mike Tyson is the one. That was his special intro music for when he was part of the WWF and was working with Degeneration X for a while. And that was his version of the intro. Wasn't he meant to be coming well back? Like for one match? He's ha- he was meant to be having a box. Was it not Mayweather? Oh, it was a boxing. Was it Shane Mo? I don't know. He was meant to be fighting somebody. Mm. I thought I thought it was Holyfield, but that might have been completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's the next one for you guys. Let's see if you can pick this one up. Oh. He's very no nonsense. This fella, Jono. I mean, this is a really big stab in the dark, but Hardcore Holly. Oh, that is incorrect. It is not Hardcore Holly. Oh, Let's wow. get that going again. Matt, is it the Big Boss Man? It is not the Big Boss Man. You are losing a point too. You are down to three points now. I've got no clue. And Miss Hart, you've got the only, the only show in town. You could just pass it if you want to keep your one point, or you could have a crack at it. Oh, I'll pass. I'm cherishing a one point. (laughs) That was Steve Blackman. Does anyone remember Steve Blackman? He was just an everyman. He sort of looked a bit like my dad. Like he had this dark bob cut, like um, crew cut hair, beard. Often in hardcore matches, he's always rocking like a kendo stick and stuff for some reason. Oh. Steve Blackman. The kendo stick is what gave it away for me. Yeah. So, um, as, as it currently stands, Matt is on three points. Jono is on one. And Miss Ali Hart is on the one. Let's get on to this next one. Matt. It's got to be Sable. That is correct. It is Sable. The first WWF uh, diva or female talent to appear in Playboy. And that apparently is one of like the largest selling copies of all time still. So, wow. there you go. All right, here's another one for you. Bit of a deeper pull, maybe. The audio cut out. (laughs) You can't hear this? No. You really can't hear that? No. I got the drum beat. Yeah, I got a bit of bass. Got it now? some reason it cuts in it cuts out all we all we're hearing is like the kick <laughs> it's an absolute belter of a track i'm i'm loving life all right so it was a tag team from the 90s is it uh matt who you got for me is it i don't know the, the headbangers <gasps> you got it it is uh mosh and thrasher the headbangers Jesus. good call there 
Far out. All right, we're moving on to the next one. Hopefully, the audio stays solid because it's solid on my end. Matt. It's Kane. That is correct. It is indeed Kane. This is incredible. You guys are so cool. All right, the next one. Man. He wore eye contacts. It's Viscera. It is indeed Viscera. You are correct, good sir. All right. Here's the next one. Uh, Ali. Jono. I think Ali came in by a hair oh, there. Sorry. Give, give me one. Give it to her. Come on. Who's, who is it? Who you got? It's the Hardy Boys. That is correct. I would have laughed if you would have been like, no, I think you'll find it. It's actually the... Uh, Hardy, <laughs> Hardy of the- it's actually track number three from Krusty Demon's Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Good track. All right. Here's another one for you. Oh, Matt. Oh, no. Here you got, Matty. It's, it's got to be The Godfather. It is indeed The Godfather. Victoria was one of his hosts, by the way. Yeah. All aboard the whole train. <laughs> train. Okay, here's another one. We've got five to go. Anyone can still win, but we need Matt to (laughs) fuck it up a few times as well. (laughs) He's a Matt. Who you got? That is Stephen Regal. (laughs) That is correct. That is uh, the OG William Regal soundtrack. Oh, intro track, I should say. Yeah. It is a belter. We'll just play a little bit more of this one. Such a man. He's a man. And his Titantron video where he's like cutting wood and carrying things and just being a man. That's obviously not too Did Matt say Stephen Regal? Yeah, it was William Stephen Regal when he first debuted. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, he's correct. All right, the final four starts right now. Ali. Who you got for me, Miss Hart? He was a he <gasps> was the Gangrel. leader of the new brood, which was the yes, Hardy Boys. That is, that is correct. Banging, and he uh, makes pornos these days. Does he's a producer really? and he's got a porn production company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to Google. Let's have, let's have a little bit more of this. It's just yeah, and his intro was so good. It was coming out of the ground, rise out of the ground, um, spit the blood, drinking yeah. blood. Okay, three to go. Matt. (laughs) Gotta be the Dudleys. You're just no fun. You're ruining this game for everybody. (laughs) I'll sit out the next two and see what happens. Matt's encyclopedia (laughs) of intro music. This is crazy. All right, the second last track. Jono. Who you got, Jono? Oh. Well, it's it's Stone Cold. We're having, we're having some audio issues where it's like really low end frequencies coming through. For all three, is Maddie is the same for you? A little bit, but I can hear it sometimes. I wonder why, because it's coming clear on mine. I don't know. Wrestling themed spider sense with Maddie, so it doesn't count. That's it. <laughs> and the last one in the Guess That Wrestler's intro track extravaganza. Matt. Taz. 
You were sitting these things out. You were so full of shit. <laughs> you hear that? That's the sound of my... <laughs> I couldn't help myself when I heard the beeps. It was just nostalgia for me. It is correct. It is, Taz. Uh, with, with two Zs in the WWF. Uh, one Z owned by the ECW rights. But yeah, the human oh. suplex machine. The Tasmaniac, as he was known as in his early, early days. Holder of the original FTW That's belt. it. Okay, so running away with this with <laughs> How close 11 out it? of 20, <laughs> Matt Tilby, the man with the rich parents that can buy in Foxtel. <laughs> See, that's he had a leg up because yeah, he had he Foxtel. Had he knew all these intros intimately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he used them as lullabies. Yeah. yeah, us poorer, less fortunate uh, souls had no chance <laughs> of succeeding in this. And then he went full heel and said, oh, I'm stepping out of these last few. And then he threw his answers in anyway. <laughs> so he takes the W with 11 correct answers. Uh, there's so many bangers. There's so many I couldn't put on here due to not only internal memory on the uh, the roadcaster, but also uh, time constraints. But yeah, this has been another episode of the 8 cast uh, where we've been talking wrestling nostalgia. Wrestling. I hope you all had fun sitting here in the uh, the online squared circle sharing some stories. I'm going to go and research FIW the second this recording ends. I'm going to go check out see what uh, Yeah, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I want to see what old uh, Fozzie McQueen's been up to all these years. But anything you guys want to say before we close this this uh, podcast down? Yeah, if uh, if you're not down with this podcast, I have two words for you. Uh, oh, three Listen to 8-Bit. That's not bad. It's far worse than your intro trivia game, that's for sure. Jono, you got anything you want to add, my man? Nobody likes a bogan. That was Fozzie McQueen's catchphrase. So I thought that was going to be intro music, for sure. A bit of Friends of Rom. I, no, the, the intro music was uh, Pennywise land, land Down Oh, not bad. Ooh, I would have also accepted uh, that uh, bitch parody bloke. I think it was was it Chris uh, yeah. Franklin did that? I, I did base some of Fozzie's characteristics on that song, Truth Be okay. Told. Okay. Your best mate's name is Robbo? Yeah, he, he actually, his manager was Robbo and it was literally just his best friend. <laughs> Perfect. Love that. Love that. <laughs> Miss Hart, anything you want to say before we, uh, yeah, close off this episode? Clearly, I was more in the 90s. I have no idea. Sorry to let everyone down, but Hardy Boys rule. Oh, yeah, they, they do. Drugs. <laughs> Play us out, Matt and Jeff. Got that cameo for cruising for his birthday. Have to get a Jeff Hardy cameo for. Gosh, can you imagine that? It'd be like, hey, come on. He just passes out. It's 10 minutes of like recorded footage of him unconscious. It'd be about $8. Whatever it costs to get an eight ball. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Share your, share your wrestling stories with us. Hello at 8bit.net on the emails at We Are 8Bit on all the socials. Much love and happy swan tonic.